If you'll turn with us to Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 15, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, and if you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand just in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, and if you're not able to stand, we understand that, but we'll read a few verses of Scripture, and then pray, and then you can be seated. Second Chronicles chapter number 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Second Chronicles 15 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your works shall be rewarded. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from the mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord, and gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you tonight for the privilege to be here. We thank you for this pastor, these people. And I pray, dear God, for these next few moments, Lord, that you would give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray, God, that you would touch us tonight, give us that ready turn of thought in mind. And may the will of God be done in this service tonight. I pray that you'd speak to every heart, save that sinner that's nearest hell, revive the saints. Lord, I pray that you'd be exalted. I pray that your son would be magnified. And may you be glorified tonight. And we'll thank you for it. For we do love you and we ask in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number one tonight. And we notice in verse number one, this prophet uh, by the name of Azariah. And this prophet has a message and he is going to bring this message to King Asa. What I noticed just on the outset of this message here in verse number one, I see the blessing of Azariah's message. The Bible uh, tells us here that the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And the blessing of his message is seen uh, in two aspects in verse number one. Uh, first of all, it is seen in the anointing that was upon the message. The Bible said that it was the Spirit of God that came upon him. And so the Spirit of God came upon Azariah. You know when a man of God gets up to preach and he brings a message, the blessing of that message is whenever God anoints that man as he preaches. And then there's the authority. The Spirit of God itself is the authority. And that is what gives the message as the Word of God goes out, as the preacher is preaching the authority and the anointing of the Spirit of God that's upon him and going out to the people is what blesses the, those that are listening. And so there is the blessing of Azariah's message in verse number 1. Then notice in verse number 2, there is the boldness of Azariah's message because when Azariah comes out, He's very bold in what he has to say to the king. I see his boldness in the fact that he's coming to the king. As the Bible said that he went out to meet Asa. Now you know in Bible days that if, a, if someone went out into the presence of a king unannounced or unwelcome, it could cost him his life. But Azariah has this message on his heart. 
It's burning in his soul. He's got to preach the message. It doesn't really matter what the consequences is. He must deliver what God has put on his heart. You know, that's the way the man of God is when he gets up to preach. He has a burden on his heart and God gives him that boldness and he preaches. And, and we see here the boldness in his coming to the king. And then we see his boldness in his crying out to the king. Because the Bible said in verse number 2, uh, that he comes and he says, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. In other words, uh, Azariah has a message. He comes to the king and he cries out to the king. He said, I've got something that I want you to hear. You know when the man of God gets up to preach, that's exactly how he feels. That's exactly what's on his mind. He has something that he wants everyone to hear. And it's not his word that he wants you to hear, but it is the word of God. Amen? And that's what Azariah has. He has a message from God, a word from God, and he wants uh, King Asa's attention. And so we see his boldness in him coming to the king, him crying to the king. And then we see his boldness in his clarity to the king. Because when you look at verse number 2, the message is very clear. Look what he said. He said, The Lord is with you while you be with Him. And if you seek Him, He will be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. That's a clear message, isn't it? I mean, you don't need a commentary. You don't need someone to interpret the message. You know, I like preaching that just gets down on our level. It gets to where we live. It's just plain. It's just clear. And that's the boldness of this message. And so we see the boldness. We, we see the blessing. But when we get to verse number 3, we really have the beginning of Azariah's message. Because he tells King Asa that Israel has been without three things. In fact, you'll notice in verse number 3, he uses that word without three times. He says, first of all, that Israel has been without the true God. That has to do with their worship. In other words, preacher, they was still going through the ritual. They were still going through the formality of worship. The only problem is the missing element was that they did not have the presence of God. Do you know what's wrong in a lot of our churches today? People have learned how to have church without God. They've learned how to just sing without Him, how to preach without Him. And you know as well as I do, I mean, listen, if we're going to have any uh, real worship, God has to show up. Amen? It's not about the pastor. It's not about the evangelist. It's not really even about the people. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, I thank God for people and we need everybody to come out. But more than anything, we need God to show up in this meeting. We need God to do something. We don't want to be without the true God. Amen? He talks about they were without the true God. It had to do with their worship. Then he tells them they were without a, a teaching priest. That had to do with their wisdom. You see, the responsibility of a priest was to tell the people what was right and what was wrong. You know, when you come to church and the man of God gets up to preach, that is what he's going to do. He's going to take the Bible and he's going to tell us what God said is right. And then he's going to tell us what God said is wrong. And you know, we're living in a time when people don't want to hear that kind of preaching. But that's what we need. Amen. Young people need that. And our homes need that. And our marriages need that. And our churches need that. We don't need to be without wisdom. Amen. And that wisdom comes when the man of God 
God takes the Bible and just simply tells us what thus saith the Lord. They were without true worship. They were without wisdom. And then I noticed they were without in this verse here. It has to do, the Bible says they were without law. That was their way of living. It doesn't say they were without the law, but they were without law. Well, we can all identify with that, can't we? We're living in a lawless society today. Living in a time when people want to make up their own laws and they don't want to follow the laws that, have, that are of the land. And, and that was what was happening to Israel. You see, when you take the true God out of the equation, then you don't really have anything to teach. Amen. There is nothing to give uh, from wisdom. And what happens is you wind up with lawlessness. Amen. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And there is no black or white. And there is no right or wrong. There is no evil or good. It's just whatever pleases you and whatever makes you happy. That is the condition that Israel is in in these verses tonight. And he begins to lay the groundwork in these verses to King Asa. And the purpose of this message in this text is the same purpose of the message that I'm preaching to you tonight. Azariah wants to help King Asa get Israel back on the road to revival. And I want to preach on that a few minutes tonight on the road to revival. We need revival in this land. Psalm 85 and verse 6, we can all quote it. Uh, he said in, ver- in that verse, he said, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And we know that when there's revival, it brings gladness, it brings happiness, it brings joy uh, because people are satisfied when God is satisfied. And we're pleased when God is pleased. And so Azariah wants to help the king, uh, help Judah get back on uh, the right track. And so he is going to help give them the instructions that they need to help them get on the road to revival. And I want to say tonight, I know that it would be very easy uh, to look around at the conditions of things that's going on uh, in our community, in our country, and even in our churches tonight. And if you and I are not real careful, we'll almost feel like, well, a revival is beyond our reach. But I don't think that is true tonight. I don't think your pastor believes that is true. And I don't think you believe that's true. For if we believed it, we wouldn't be here tonight. But we know that God has sent revival in leaner and harder times than what we're in tonight. But God wants to send revival and we can have revival tonight. You say, well, I can't change uh, my community. No, but you can allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart and your life. Uh, you can live different tonight than when you came. Amen. What is a road to revival? What does it entail? I want you to see, first of all, in this text here, that when we come uh, to this verse, that the road to revival, number one, it's a road of remembrance. Amen? Because when you get to verse number four, that's what Azariah does. He begins to take King Asa down this road of remembrance. He reminds him in verse number four of their trouble. He says, Behold, when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord. He reminds Israel, or King Asa, of the times that they were in trouble. 
He reminds them of their turning. That in their trouble, they turn to God. I want to stop and say tonight, I'm glad that when trouble comes, there is someone we can turn to. Amen. I'm telling you, you look in the days that we're living in, you say, well, I can't turn to the government. I can't turn to uh, this and I can't turn to that. No, but you can still turn to God in this hour. I'm glad 2 Chronicles 7.14 is still in the Bible. If my people, which are called in my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Isn't that a blessing to know tonight that when we're in trouble, we have somebody we can turn to. Amen. He reminded them of their trouble. He reminded them of their turning. But then in verse number 4, He reminded them of their triumph. Amen. He said that, when they turned unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, notice this phrase, He was found of them. He was found of them. Do you realize that Israel's victory was never in them, but it was always in God? When you read the Old Testament, you would agree with this statement tonight, that Israel did so many terrible things that if I'd have been God, I'd have wiped them out, wouldn't you? I wouldn't have put up with their murmuring. I wouldn't have put up with their complaining. I sure wouldn't have put up with their all, with their false idols and their false gods and, and all the wicked things that Israel did. But can I tell you, when I think about God in my life, and I think about His mercy, and I think about His grace, can I tell you if I got what I deserve tonight, and if you got what you deserved, I'd have to raise my hand and say, I've murmured, I've complained, I've backslid on God before in times in my life. But yet God, in His compassion, in His mercy, in His long-sufferingness, you know what He doesn't do tonight? He doesn't throw the clay away. Amen? And over and over again, when Israel would get in trouble because of one bad decision after another, you know what would happen? They would turn to God, and God was always there. Even when they were unfaithful, God was faithful to them. I want to tell you tonight, the same God that was faithful to them is the same God that will be faithful right now. Hallelujah. Tonight, if we're going to have revival, we have to remember that. We have to remember sometimes, you want a real blessing tonight, remember sometimes that you were in trouble. And you turned to God and He was found. The road to revival is a road of remembrance. He reminds them of their, of their trouble. He reminds them in this, uh, in verse number five uh, of the, those times. He said, and in those times there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. See, why does he remind them of those times? Because he's calling to King Asa's attention that when you get away from God, Things don't get better. They get worse. You know, I would say to anybody in this building tonight, and I know it's Monday night, I would assume this is cream of the crop. I would assume this is it. Uh, folks that are here because they want to be here. I'm sure there wouldn't be anybody here, but you never know who's sitting in the congregation. But if you're somebody here tonight and you maybe are thinking about getting away from God or you're backslid in your heart, you're still going to church or you're still paying your tithes, you're still singing in the choir, you're still attending Sunday school, but you know you're not where you ought to be at with 
with God and you've been thinking about even getting out of church, I want to tell you tonight, things don't get better when you get out of church. They only get worse. Amen? Your life is not going to be more blessed. Your life, things are not going to go smooth. I'm telling you tonight, when you get away from God, it's expensive. It costs you to get away from God. It'll cost you years that you can never get back. It's so much better to serve the Lord tonight. Amen? Remember those times. Take a good look at somebody else. You say, well, but preacher, they look like they're having a time. Yes, but I promise you there's turmoil. He said in verse number 6, a nation was destroyed of nation and city of city for God did vex them with all adversity. He said, King Asa, he said, remember, every time the nation got away from God, it meant nothing but one heartache after another. Oh, tonight, listen, what would drive us to our knees in revival is remember that the further the church drifts from God, the further our homes drift from God, the more problems we have in this life. It doesn't mean we won't suffer. It doesn't mean we won't have adversity. But there's victory in living for God. Even in the midst of suffering and adversity, you can still have joy. You can still have victory if you're in the will of God tonight. A road of revival is a road of remembrance. Then I see in verse number 7, the road to revival is a road of reassurance. Because in verse 7, he wants to Assure King Asa of some things. First of all, he assures him to be strong. Can I tell you tonight, if there's ever been an hour where we need some strong church members, it's the hour we're living in tonight. You see, this is the time where it separates the men from the boys. This is the time where we need people to be solid in their faith solid in their doctrine, strong in their stand, strong in, in their church attendance, strong in their giving, and thank God for those who have. But we it's so easy to look at others that have fallen by the wayside, others that have, have quit and gone a different route or a different course. And if you're not careful, you'll feel that pull or you'll feel that temptation. But this is a time to, uh, to be uh, what Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His mind. It's time to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil. Hey, we don't have to back up. Isn't that right? We don't have to roll over and play dead. We don't have to give in. But we can march on in these last days and be the light of this world and the salt of this earth. We can still make a difference tonight. Amen. We need some strong Christians in this time. Every pastor would agree with this. I know your preacher will, but every pastor would agree with this tonight. We need strong church members. Amen. You know, it's easy to lose faith in the midst of the battle, to lose heart. Don't you thank God for those that will just come by and give a word of encouragement? Those that will just stand up and give a good word of testimony. I tell them at our church, I said, now if you're depressed, don't give up, don't get up and testify. I don't know how y'all feel about it. I'll tell my church, I said, if you're, if you're having a down day, it's time for you to sit there and listen. Amen. Don't know the Lord's not telling you to testify. I can go ahead and help you discern that. You just sit there and get a blessing off of somebody else. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Because I don't want to be depressed. Amen. 
I don't want to go to church and somebody get up and brag on the devil for ten minutes and then on their way back to their seat. Oh, by the way, I just want to tell you, but the Lord is good to me. Well, I don't believe that, and I don't believe they believe that. Amen. I tell you, I like it when somebody gets up and they just said, "Preacher, uh, listen, I just want to get up and I just want to give a good word of testimony. I just want to tell you, in spite of everything, God's been good to me and He's blessed me, and I've got far more than I deserve and more than I expect." Don't that just encourage you and just build you up in the faith? Hey, it makes you want to go on. Amen. And that's a strong Christian. Amen. The road of revival is the road of reassurance. Be strong tonight. Be strong in this hour. And then he said in verse number seven, he said, let not your hands be weak. Don't just be strong, but be steadfast. Don't let your hands be weak. Finish what you start, King Asa. Don't go down this road and and say, well, you know, I'll be there Monday night and and, and get all fired up on Monday night and and then you know Tuesday night you're you're at home watching the birds. Amen. I know y'all wouldn't do that. Yeah. Oh yes. It happens in all them other churches. They're gonna lose. I can tell you that. Or you'll be at home. You know, don't 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 miss. No, no, you come every night. He said, but preacher, I got a busy schedule. I know that God does tell you. But he's going to be here every night. I promise you, your schedule's not more bigger than God's schedule. He's running the universe. He's holding the world in the palm of His hands. But yet He's going to take time to meet with us and to be here. And if God can clear off His schedule for revival, then certainly we can clear off our schedule for revival. If God can take time out for me, then I can take time out for Him. Hey, don't just be strong, but be steadfast. Be steadfast. We need some steadfast Christians. Don't fade in the process, but stay with it. It's a road of reassurance. He reassures him to be strong. He reassures him to be steadfast. And then I want you to notice here that he, he reassures him in this text that he can be sure that your work shall be rewarded. He reassures him of the success. There's coming a payday. King Asa, if you'll just stay with it. Child of God, there's coming a payday. God may not always pay on Friday. I'm sure you've heard that. But He always pays. I want to say tonight, for every weary traveler, for a traveler, for every weary night, for every, for every hardship, for every trial, for every trouble that we've ever had to go through, for every disappointment in life. If we'll just be faithful, if we'll just stay where God's put us, guess what? God's going to reward us. Uh, he's not going to let a deed go uh, unrewarded in this life. Now we don't deserve any reward, but God is so good to us uh, that if we'll just be loyal to Him and be faithful to Him, He will reward us in the end and He'll help us along the way. Isn't that a blessing to know tonight? that we have this reassurance that if we'll seek God, if we'll seek His face, He will reward us. I want to tell you, I would not want to stand at the judgment seat and stand there empty-handed. I don't know what I'll have at the judgment seat, and I'm like everyone else, I do not look forward to it. But I want to do what I can while I can to, to gain some reward to cast at His feet for all that He has done for me. The road of revival. It's a road of remembrance. It's a road of reassurance. And then I want you to see in verse number 8 and 9 that the road to revival, it's a road of repentance. You know, tonight you can't have revival without repentance. 
And what I see in verse number 8 is that it takes courage to repent. Look at verse number 8. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, the Bible says he took courage. You know what the message did for him? It gave him courage to go forward. That's what preaching does, isn't it? It gives us courage. You get a little bit down. Uh, uh, maybe you, uh, you know, you get discouraged. You go to the house of God. Uh, you don't know what's going to take place, but you hear a sermon. You hear some preaching. You get around the saints of God, and it gives you courage. Well, I want to tell you the same courage that you get through preaching. You get it through repentance. Amen. I want to tell you to get out of that seat, and, and I'm not trying to get you to come to the altar. In fact, I always say this, and when I'm preaching, I don't want you to come to the altar just because I'm giving an invitation. I only want you to come if the Holy Spirit deals with your heart about coming. But if He deals with your heart, then listen, it's going to take humility, but it'll also take courage to step out of that seat and come to this altar and do business with God. You know, a few years ago I was preaching down in Alabama, and I was with a preacher that night, and he was to preach first, and I was to preach second. I think we were rotating not about or something. So I was sitting on the back row because I, the Lord had stirred in my heart about a message, preacher. And, and so I just, you know how it is. You just scribble some thoughts down. And, and I thought, I don't know if I can even get this finished by, uh, but by the time to preach it. So I was kind of, I was listening and I was working on that message. But the more he preached, the more I got under conviction about what he was preaching. And the Holy Spirit dealt with me and said, just lay your pen down and listen. I'm going to tell you, God dealt with my heart that night. And the Lord said, probably a little over halfway in that sermon, the Lord said, I want you to go to the altar. I already knew the Lord wanted me to go to the altar and repent over that tonight. That, that's it, that, what He was preaching on. I had come up short in that area of my life. And you know how the flesh is? I mean, I, we preach. We give invitations all the time. But yet we live in the same flesh that you live in. Your pastor lives in the same flesh you live And that night I was sitting there and I thought, well, you know, Lord, I'm just going to bow my head because i got to preach after this guy. And, you know, how's that going to look? Me going to the altar? What's people going to think? You know, that's what runs through all of our mind. And I was sitting there and I said, Lord, I'm just going to pray here. And the Lord said, no, not tonight. I want you to go to the altar. You know, sometimes I get in churches and, and, and it's almost like saints are as scared of the altar as sinners are. And that night I was sitting back there and I said, Lord, I, I, and Lord said, no, tonight I want you to go to the altar. And I want you to put that on the altar and talk to him about it. I sat there, he come down to the invitation, he started to give the invitation. And, and as everybody stood up, I, I did what any good Baptist did. I looked around to see who was going first. <laughs> I thought I'd just blend in with the crowd. Would you believe nobody was responding? I'm sitting back there with my hypocritical attitude thinking, come on, people. You know, somebody do something. I mean, make a move. You know what we do? And God said, it's your move. I said, God, nobody's going to the altar. I've got to preach tonight. If I go to the altar, what if I'm the only one? Has that ever run through your mind? And the Lord finally said to me, if you want me to help you preach tonight, you're going to have to go to that altar. I said all that to say this. After all the trips that I've made to the altar, and I'm not saying that boasting. I mean, if you've been saved any length of time, you know yourself. We all wear an altar out. 
As many times have I been down the aisle, been to the altar, and given invitation for others to come to the altar, my flesh fought me every step of that way to come that way. Now, I didn't say that to get you down here. I don't want you to come unless God tells you to. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost deals with your heart, do business with you. That's what revival's about. We're supposed to come to the altar. But it takes courage to repent, doesn't it? And then not only that, it takes cleanliness in repentance. The Bible said that they put away abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. You know, I ask you this question tonight. Is there something in your life right now? Now, I'll tell you how to know that. Because it will come to your mind immediately. Is there something in your life right now that's hindering your walk with God? Is there something that's got a hold on you? Is there something that you invest more time in, that you spend more time with? It may not even be sin, and it may not be sin to do it or to have it or, or, to, or to, to, to possess it. I don't know what it would be tonight, but I promise you if there's something that, that has your heart, then you need to come and put it on this altar tonight. You know, it's the way we are as, as human beings. We can take something. I had a man come to me one time and he said to me, he said, you know, he told me something that was in his life. He said, and God dealt with me. He said, a preacher said, I hesitate to even tell you what it is because he said, you're going to laugh at me. If it's so, you're going to think it's so silly. I said, well, if God told you to, to, to get this out of your life, I said, I'm not going to laugh at you about that. And he told me what it was. And he said, he said, now, now you, that's not a sin. I said, Maybe not to many. But I said, brother, did it have a hold on you? He said, it has a strong hold on you. I said, well, then I can understand why God spoke to you. Because God doesn't want anything to be first in your life but Him. I want to tell you, you got to get things out of your life. You say, preacher, I want to get closer to God. Then ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, is there something in my life right now that's hindering my walk with God? You see the cleanliness in repentance. And then I see the construction in repentance. Look what the Bible says in verse number 8. The Bible says He renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Once Asa takes courage, he gets rid of all the bad things. Then he rebuilds the good thing. You know, sometimes people, they, they, they want to read the Bible more. They want to spend more time in prayer. They want to do all these things. But there's a constant battle, that constant struggle. And I can understand that to a degree. But there may be something in your life holding you back tonight. I promise you, so, but preacher, why is it so important that God keeps putting His finger on that in my life? Because God knows the day that you surrender to Him and you take that out of your life, then you can move forward and rebuild the good things that's in your life. There's construction. Don't just come down here and get rid of something. You've got to go back and put invest something. When you take something out, you know what you got to do? you got to put something in, don't you? You can't just say, well, I'm going to get rid of this and I'm going to get rid of that. Oh, listen, the whole purpose uh, of separation and sanctification in our life is that we draw closer to God and that we put the Word of God in prayer in our life. And I want to say tonight that that the, uh, the road to revival, it's a road of repentance. There's construction. There's a congregation in repentance. Verse number 9 says, He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. And then I notice here that there's a commitment. Notice the Bible said they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord was God. 
was with you. You know, when we fall on our face, when we know God comes on the scene. Amen. You know, I like to see people praise God and worship the Lord, and that that's encouraging. But I tell you, when we get on our faces, when we know the presence of God has hovered over us and dealt with us and worked in our heart and worked in our life, I want to ask you this question tonight. Do you need revival? And I'm sure to a certain degree we would all raise our hands. Who wouldn't say they need revival? But I'm not really just asking that in a general sense. I'm asking tonight, who in this room tonight would be honest and open enough with the Lord to say, you know what, I really need to get closer to God. I I know tonight that I really need revival in my life. I need God to do something in my life. I'm going to ask our sister to come and play something on the piano tonight. If you'll stand with me for just a moment, our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here tonight and you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, you already know that. I ask you to come. Again, you don't have to come. I'm not going to think less of you if you don't come to the altar. I'm just telling you tonight, if you're here and you say, I really need revival. I want revival. Lord, I want to be closer to you. I need to be closer to you.